0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. we got a copy of the Word of God. Open it up to the book of Colossians. We have been milking chapter 1 of this great book for quite some time. Today we're going to look at the, the last handful of verses in it, verses 24 through 29. We've been speaking from this book along this theme, Christ above all, above all. Christ is preeminent. He is supreme. That's what that means. It means there's nobody else like Him. It means He's absolutely unique. It's absolutely without debate who He is. He's unrivaled. There's nobody out there that's going to come and and steal His position or take His place in this universe. We've learned that He is above all, period. Above all, we've seen in the heart of the Christian, He needs to be first in our hearts and in our lives today. We've seen that he's above all in creation. The word has taught us that all things are created by him. All things were created for him. All things are after him. They depend completely upon him for their operation. We see that he's above all in salvation. Now, there is no other hope for salvation apart from the life and work of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's just no other way. He's above all in salvation. If you're saved today, if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then it's there because of the work of Jesus Christ. We also learned that he's above all in the congregation. I love the thought that he is the head of the body. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his church, not ours. It belongs to him. Not only the local body, we think of the body universal. Every saint that's ever drawn a breath on this planet and everyone that ever will, as long as the Lord tarries, belongs to the church universal. And we see Jesus Christ standing at the head of it, giving its life, giving it its meaning. He is the head above all in the congregation today. I want to think about this thought with you for just a little while. He's also above all in our expectations. He's also above all in our expectations. Let's read Colossians chapter 1. Let's read verses 24 through 29 and then we'll share what I believe the Holy Spirit has led me to share today with you out of this little passage of scripture. Talking about his own ministry Paul in verse 23 said, now I am made a minister. And here he begins to talk about his his own ministry. He said, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Verse 26. Even the mystery, which has been hid from ages, from generations, but now is made manifest unto who? Unto his saints. I mean, he's manifested to us a great mysterious thing that he's had hidden for a long time in the person of Jesus Christ and his purpose toward us. Verse 27. Verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And listen to this summative statement which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Verse 28, whom we preach. Now we preach him, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Jesus Christ. Verse 29, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which I love this last phrase, which worketh in me mightily. And I want to focus out of this context, if you will, today on one little jewel. One little phrase that's tucked in the latter part of verse 27. Just a handful of words today that we want to take a a clear look at and a concise look at and see how they might speak to us. A phrase that leaps from the page, if you will, as you read this little passage in the latter part of verse 27. Here it is tucked in. It reads this way, Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, expectations differ, don't they? From place to place, person to person, from house to house, expectations differ. You know, My expectations of my family and my children are different from your expectations of, of your family and your children. My mom and dad's expectations of me and my sister are different from other mom and dad's expectations. Man, we have different expectations about family from place to place, person to person, home to home. I thought about this. Take discipline, for example. Man, what we expect in the way of discipline and how we administer discipline from family to family is different. And yes, different if you have more than One child, even from child to child, what might work with one might not work with another. So you understand that the expectations you put out there might be different. I saw a couple of contrasting messages in the past couple of weeks alone that I wanted to share with you uh, this morning. One method I saw, uh, I passed a lady who who was having some trouble with her little daughter. She looked to be about three, maybe four at the most years old. And she was struggling with her. The, the girl was incensed. She was beside herself. She couldn't get a hold of it. She was squalling. Here we are out in public. I saw the mom marching toward me with the little girl's a hand in her hand. And as she passed me, I heard her whisper something that I get a kick out of to this very day. She whispered this to this little girl. She said, honey, if you're not careful now, I might, she said, I might have to give you another warning. How many of y'all here, hey, hey, I didn't ever get that in my life. I'm just here to tell you. I like to fell over laughing. I almost stopped and said, lady, can I help you with your problem a little bit? I think I see where the problem may lie in this little girl's life. Man, I'm going to tell you, I don't remember getting many warnings. If I got any, it was a warning, then a whipping. I of mean, y'all, hey, hey, my expectations were much different, band than what some are today. Man, I saw another on the other end of the spectrum with all that's going on in Baltimore. I'm sure all of you saw it. What about the lady that went down in the street and grabbed her son by the nap of the neck and drug him back to the house and said, hey, I told you not to be down here. Now you're going to pay the penalty for being somewhere. I I believe we need more of that, to be honest with you. In the United States of America, I believe we need more expectations of ourselves and of the people around us. Be sure that expectations differ person to person, house to house, self, even our expectations of ourselves. Differ from one another. Secondly, I want you to see expectations drive us. You know, we're often driven by what's expected of us. Whether we place that expectation on ourselves or whether someone else sets that expectation for us, we're often driven by what's expected of us. It motivates us, it moves us into action. And the life it, it, it often makes us maybe rise to the occasion that we have some kind of expectation ahead or some kind of Responsibility it's been well set off and i'm just trying to live up to my expectations Sometimes it pushes you to live to that place that you believe you have that potential to be and someone set a, a Goal and an expectation for you you push toward those things or possibly and I believe this is true In many cases i've heard it often i'm living down to my expectations Sometimes people put too low of expectations, or they expect us just to be terrible, or there's nothing good in you. I've heard people say that. You're never going to amount to anything. And man, when we begin to sow that kind of of speech into people's lives, you know what we do? We help them live down to those expectations that we set in their life. And it's expectations, man, that motivate us, that move us into action, whether it's to a a different level or whether it's to a a lower level than we ever thought. Either way, we're using those expectations of others, using those expectations that we place on ourselves to drive our behaviors and our actions. Thirdly, and I want to focus on this today, expectations often define us. Man, you look at what your expectations are and what you set for your life, and that will tell you something about who you are. When you look at what you expect of yourself and what others expect of you and what they see, man alive, it will help you understand who you are. It says something about who we are. The kind of people, I wrote it this down, we are is somehow rooted in our expectations. And today, beloved, I'm telling you, Christians ought to be the most expectant people on the face of the planet. You know the difference between the world and a child of the king is that we have some things ahead of us that we expect to come about. We have some things ahead of us that we hope for. In verse 27 in this little jewel, he used that word Christ in you. The hope of glory. The difference between a child of the king and someone who's not a child of the king is that we have a hope beloved. That a Christian is not a person who looks in tomorrow with dread and fear. But a Christian is a person who looks to tomorrow with all all the hope that the universe has to offer. Man, today, if Christians are defined by anything, they ought to be defined as people of hope. I expect that there's more to come, beloved. I believe that beyond our experience in this world, good, bad, or indifferent, there's another world and a better world that has some stuff stored up from me and some things it expects for me and from me on this planet. And that's what defines who I am. In short, there's something more than this old tainted, temporal experience that I have. There's a popular sentiment today that you hear in the world, there's got to be something more than this, Pastor. There's got to be more to life than getting up and, and going to work and coming back home and doing the homework and getting the dinner and fighting to the sports ball field and then getting back into bed and then getting up the next morning and do it again. I have good news for you today. There is much, much more than that to a Christian's hope in life. There's something more that a Christian has, something that the world can't understand, a hope that exists alone and pristine in the heart and the life of a Christian. I wrote this down. There should be no such thing as a hopeless Christian. A Christian should never utter the phrase, there's just no hope, Pastor. There should be no such thing as a person who belongs to the King of kings and the Lord of lords that says, I have no hope. Paul said it in Thessalonians. If you just run a concordance on the word hope, it'll bless you. I love this phrase. He said, don't live as others in the world who have no hope, talking of death and the world beyond. He said, listen, you don't have to live like this world. You have a hope, beloved, that they don't have. We should shine, beloved, as lights full of hope in a a dark world of desperation and despair. We are the one people who ought to shine the light of hope and expectation that the Lord Jesus Christ has sown down deep in our hearts and in our lives. If the world is going to have any hope at all, it's going to come from the children of the King, I'm here to tell you that. And today we see a truth in this little verse. Paul underscores it under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He makes a dynamic statement, a descriptive statement that encapsulates, if you will, our hope as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Before I skin it out, let me let you be a little interactive today. How many of y'all earnestly believe that there's more to life than what we're experiencing here, that God has more ahead for us, yes, in this life, but yet in that life to come? Praise be unto God, we're a people of hope. Paul says three clear clear things here I want to share with you quickly about our hope and describes it. First of all, he talks about the person of our hope. You know today our hope is in a person. This phrase says it's Christ in you. It's Christ in you that brings you hope. Today our hope is, is caught up in a person. It's in Jesus Christ. I wrote this down. Our hope is not in a thing, beloved, today. You know, the world lives putting their hope in their IRA, in their annuity, and, and some people in that stack of ammunition they've got hidden in a room somewhere, or some people in a well-stocked disaster and doom room, a supply room full of food and everything. Some people put their hope in pieces of legislation. I'm here to tell you that the children of, king, uh, of the king don't have their hopes in such trivial and, and fleeting things. Our hope today is not in a place. Some people put their hope in the United States of America. Some people put their hope in science. Some people have put their hope in the university hospital. Are these things bad? No, I love them all, and I thank God for what he does in our life through them. They put their hope in that dream retirement city. My wife and I talk about all the time. Wouldn't it be nice at the end of all this if we had enough to buy us a place in the Caribbean somewhere and sit on the sand and look at the, at the blue water until the Lord comes again? We talk about that a lot. Just dreaming. Man, people put their hope, everything they are, in things. They put their hope in everything they look for in places. But beloved, you'll find hope in none of that. No real hope today. The only place you'll find hope is in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I went on a website, Politics One, the other day. Just looking, you know, at this time of year with the 2016 presidential election looming, You hear about who's going to run and who's going to be their running mates. And and every day you have a new poll that's come out. Okay, this guy's ahead. I mean, we're a long ways away from the election, but here we are. This guy's thinking about throwing his hat in the ring, but maybe he's not going to. And we're hoping that he does. And can he raise enough money? Can Can he do this? Can she do that? Can she do the other? I got interested. I thought, well, I wonder just who is planning on running for president in 2016. I just wonder who it really is. You hear all these things. So I got on this website, got to searching a little bit. But for people who are, ta- are going to run for the presidential election for the office of president in 2016, I found this out. There are currently 29 different Democrats and Republicans running, considering running for the 2016 presidential election. 29 different ones. Now, that's just Democrats and Republicans. If you go on, on this website, you'll find that there are at least 15 other independent parties with people that are running. And you'll find that there are many people who are putting themselves on the ballot as write-in candidates. Man, here, I'm going to run for president as a write-in candidate. Hey, conservatively, here's 50-plus men and women thinking about running for the highest office in the land. All of them claiming that they can overcome and win the war on ISIS. All of them claiming they can stop the unrest in America and the world. All of them claiming that they can balance the budget. All of them, listen to them now, they'll claim they can put some money in your pocket, bring some jobs to your town, put education in your mind, and you won't even have to pay for it. And man, all the time they're going to put smiles on your faces. You're going to be so happy and proud that you elected them. And there's millions of people behind each one of these folks all believing that they are the person that's going to bring hope for tomorrow. But I'm here to tell you, church, as a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, my hope rests not today in a Democrat. My hope rests not today in a Republican. My hope rests not today in a right write-in candidate, or some independent party, my hope rests in the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God who gave himself for me. That's where my hope rests. And, beloved, he is above all in our expectations. There is only hope in one person, my friend, and his name is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He alone gives, and he alone is hope, secondly. Not only the person of our hope, I want you to see the place of our hope. He said, Christ, but then what did he say? You read over it if you're not careful. In you. He tells you the place of your hope very clearly. He says, yes, the person is Christ, but the place of it is in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. How many of y'all understand that today you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and asked Him to forgive you and come into your heart that He really did? How many of y'all really understand that? He came and took up residence in you. Do I understand that? No. It's more than my mind can conceive. Do I believe that? Yes. Because he came into my heart, Josiah, as a little seven-year-old boy. And I was baptized. And man, he took up residence in me. That's been 40 years ago, beloved. And I can tell you that he has never left me. And he has not forsaken me. And beloved, throughout all eternity, I have a hope. Why? Not because Jesus is around me or not because Jesus is on me, but because the Lord Jesus Christ himself lives down inside of me. And the place of our hope today is important to know. It's good to know the person, but it's good that we understand the place. It's not outside or around. The place is in us. When we see an individual with a gift or a talent or a possibility, what do we say to them? I say, man, it's in you. I see it in you. I see it from the outside in you. I remember the first message I preached. I didn't want to preach it. I didn't think I had any business being up here preaching a message at all. I could think of 50 people in the congregation that had more business being up in that pulpit than I ever did. The only reason I did is because the Baptist men came to me so many years ago, 20-plus years ago now. And they said, man, it's going to be Baptist men's day, Stace. I was just a young whippersnapper. Didn't know a thing about anything. Now I'm an old fogey and no less than I did then. I'll (laughs) tell you that. They came to me and asked me, and I said, man, you don't need me doing that. Mm -mm. There's a lot of people that need to do it besides me. Two or three of them pulled me aside and said, Stace, listen, it's in you. We see it in you. And it's time that you let what's inside you be who you are. And you see, Jesus Christ today is is in you. And why do you have hope today? Because Jesus Christ himself has taken a residence in your very heart and life. And man, the world may take a whole lot of things from you. And the devil may touch a lot of things in your life. But I'm going to tell you one thing he'll never touch. And he'll never take. And that is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit, living and real in my heart and in my life. I love that old hymn, I Serve a a Risen Saviour. He's in the world today. What do the words say? I know that he is living. Whatever men may say, I see his hand of mercy. And I hear his voice of cheer. And what is this? In just the time I need him, he's always near. The chorus says, he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and he talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives He lives salvation to impart, and here's the important part. You ask me how I know He lives, and what's the answer? He lives where? Within my heart. And my hope rests today on that residence that the Lord Jesus Christ took up with me. Let me tell you, Christian, you need not search all over the world for your hope today, my friend. For if we are Christians, our hope lives inside of us in the person of Jesus Christ There are people in this house today who are facing tomorrow without hope. There are people sitting under the sound of my voice that are saying, Pastor, I wish I could have a whisper's breath of hope when I got up in the morning. And let me tell you, what you need for hope in the face of that deep depression that the enemy might be putting in your life is to understand that Christ is alive and well inside you. What you need for hope today in the face of that child who has walked away from the Lord and you pray over them so diligently and so deeply every night, what you need in the face of that for hope is to understand that mighty is the Lord Jesus Christ that lives deep down inside you and he understands what you're feeling and he knows what you're praying and if that child belongs to him, he lives deep down inside their hearts and there's nothing that they can even do to make him vacate the premises. Man, if you need hope today, you'll find it for your marital situation. You'll find it for that financial difficulty. You'll find it for that debilitating physical condition. You'll find it for that spiritual drought. When you learn to call on He who lives deep down inside of you and say, Father, I need the hope that only you can bring in this moment in my life. Paul says, man, understand the person of your hope. It's Christ Jesus It's not in a place or a thing. It's in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. He said, understand the place of it. The place of your hope is not in some faraway distant land. The place of your hope is inside your very heart and your very life today. Thirdly, I want you to see the prospects of our hope. He says, Christ in you. He uses the word the hope, the expectation, the earnest expectation. And then he says, of glory. You know, there's some great things that lay ahead for the children of the king. There's more than we can imagine. I tried to sell that to you or at least bring you in on it in the introduction to this. There's more out there than we can imagine. When you think you've had enough, beloved, let me tell you, Jesus Christ is going to do more in your life. When you think he's done all that he can possibly do, let me tell you, he hasn't begun to touch the tip of the iceberg of all that he has in store for your heart and your life. I was watching something on TV the other day. 51 interesting facts about the United States of America. One of them was this. They said that the patent office contemplated shutting down in the year 1899. That the patent office came very close to just shutting themselves down. You say, why would they do that? You know what they believed? They believed there was just nothing else in this world that could possibly be invented that we didn't already know about. And they earnestly, honestly considered shutting down because they thought, ain't nobody else going to be applying for patents because they're just did not anything else to, to think of. they're just did not anymore. We've come to the place where we've got it all. How many of y'all know we've discovered a few things since the year 1899? How many of y'all notice we've discovered a few things since 1999? And, beloved, it's getting so quick since 2009. We've discovered more things than I ever thought we possibly could. Well, let me tell you, it's the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you talk about His glory, beloved, you don't know the half of it. You don't know the third of it. You don't even know the tip of the iceberg. Man, I love it when he breaks through and exceeds my expectations, don't you? He says the Christian has a prospect today. He says Christ in you, yes. But he said, man, that's going to produce in your life. You have a prospect, and it's going to bring unto you glory and glory and glory. I looked at the word glory in the Greek, and do you know that it's almost untranslatable? There's almost no English word that parallels the Greek word glory. There's almost just no way to to translate it into the English language with its fullness. And I thought, well, man, I, I don't understand that. We need to have some kind of concept with it. And the Holy Spirit said, there is no concept in your world of the glory that I have in store. You can't even conceive. Doesn't the word say itself? Doesn't it say this? No mind has conceived. No heart is in a position to receive. Nobody knows all that the Lord has in store for those who love him. I'm here to tell you, uh, church, we have something ahead of us. I remember an old song when I was in high school. The boss sang it, Bruce Springsteen. He said, glory days. What was it? They'll pass you by. He said, man, in the wink of a young girl's eye, they'll just pass you right by. And man, we're guilty, even as the church of Jesus Christ, living, looking in the past. Now, there are some neat things we need to know in the past about us. Man, we know, I look back in faith believing and have hope in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He did leave the portals of heaven and take on Him a robe of flesh on this earth. I believe and hope in that. Man, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ walked up a Roman hill and laid down his life for me. And there paid the price not only for my sin, but the word tells us, yea, for the sin of the entire world. How many of y'all believe that Jesus died today once and for all, for all sin that ever be committed in your life, past, present, and future? I believe that. I believe that He ascended unto heaven. I believe He sits on the right hand of the Father. All of that's looking back. But beloved, I'm telling you, our faith and our hope ought to have a forward look today. We ought to have an expectation today because I believe just as firmly as I believe all those things in in the past. I firmly believe that there's coming a day and I don't believe it's too far away where the Lord Jesus Christ Himself will return again and He'll collect every man, every woman, and every child that belonged to Him unto Himself. And Paul said, we will will ever be with the Lord throughout all eternity. And man, when we get there, what will we do? I have people all the time say, Pastor, what will heaven be like? What are you talking about? People call it glory. People call it things. People talk about it. And I'm here to tell you, I I wish I could illustrate it and enunciate it. I wish I had the vocabulary today to be able to share with you what kind of glory awaits for us. I can't do it, but the Holy Ghost did it. In Revelation chapter 21, John says this. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is now with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and he shall be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Does that sound like glory to you? That sounds like a good place to be to me. And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things are true and they are faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, and I am the beginning and the end. I will give unto them that a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. That's what's waiting on us. That's where we are headed. That's the product of our hope today. That's the prospects that we have as children of the King. Man, I marvel, don't you, when I see a Christian filled with hope. I get to see it all the time. Situations you think would break their back. And as a pastor, you're walking in going, Lord, Jesus, what am I going to say? And, man, you get there, and you don't have to say a thing. You know why? Because they're saying it all themselves. They're saying, I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, Pastor. He has a plan and a purpose in all this. He hasn't left me or hasn't forsaken me. In the midst of this trial and tribulation, I still have hope. Man, I look forward to the day that we're not going to deal with this stuff anymore. I look forward to the day that we'll be in His presence. But until then, I'm going to keep on loving Him, and I'm going to keep on serving Him. No matter what this world, or no matter what the enemy, or no what even people might throw in my way, I know he's not going to leave me, and he's not going to forsake me. You know what that is? That's a mystery. That's a mystery that's explained only one way. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Expectations, man. They're huge. They differ, yeah. On this earth, they differ a little bit. They drive us. They motivate us often, but I'm gonna tell you as a Christian, your expectations in the Lord Jesus Christ, they ought to define you. The world ought to look at you and say, I never saw anyone who had that much hope in my life. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, Visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.